here at Calvary Chapel, we go uh, uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And we pick right back up where I left off last week, which is in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to take the, only the first five verses of chapter 4. So you're able to follow along, and I encourage all of you to next week, Lord willing, unless the Lord comes back and takes us home, next week uh, you'll know where I'm going to be picking right back up. It's not, it's not complicated here. at this at here. It's pretty predictable, and we'll be picking right back up at uh, verse 6, uh, Lord willing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, and as we open up your word, Holy Spirit, only by your spirit moving in the hearts of, our, of your people, Will there be biblical change that takes place in our hearts, and our minds? And we pray that you'll move in a mighty way in our time here as we open up your word, study, and learn to grow in our knowledge and understanding of you. Uh, but more importantly, even deeper love for you as by your word speaking to us. We thank you and praise you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1. I'm going to read all five verses and then we will take verse by verse, in some cases, word by word, uh, to study. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, and all in, with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you... But you, Timothy, be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So as we take a look here in these first five verses of 2 Timothy of chapter 4, we must remember where Paul is at. A prison epistle here in Rome, and he's writing to his his spiritual son in the faith. He was a father to Timothy. Pastor Timothy, young Timothy, elder there in Ephesus and how important it was in the role. And here his spiritual father Paul is entrusting to him the work of the ministry there in Ephesus. How important that is as a father speaks to his son. He's at the point in his life where he knows he's about to die at the hands of the uh, Romans. And he knows that his life is so fragile. He doesn't know in the days or week or weeks are coming when he will die. And when you realize there's no question in your mind, your spirit is settled that you know you're going to die. What are the most important words would you say as a father to your son? Those words are very critical and you would hold on to every single word knowing that your father is about to die and you want to hear those last parting words from him. And this is the letter that we have today. That Paul is speaking to his young protege, his young disciple, he's, he's raised up in the faith and he's communicating effectively to him to saying what you need to do, Timothy, and what God's called you to do and you've been equipped and trained up to do the work of the ministry and what were those parting words for him and for the church because this letter was to be read to the entire church because it didn't apply just to Timothy but to all hearers of the word of God. That means it pertains to you and I today. As we have seen, Paul placed heavy burdens of ministry on this young disciple of his. We see it throughout this letter that we've been studying. But Paul has not given his words on the letter to Timothy haphazardly or, or irresponsibly. Because Paul knew Timothy was absolutely committed to staying focused on the scripture. 
to focus on what God has called him to do and not to be swayed away from the truths of God. He understood that Timothy depended upon the scripture. He was raised in the scripture from birth. His mother and his grandmother invested into the life of this young man, Timothy. And he was even more confident of God's ability to supply Timothy all his needs in the ministry by and through the word of God. And we learned that last week. We saw in chapters, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is what Paul knew was a fact and truth of God's truth. And Timothy understood that truth and Timothy wasn't going to be swayed from it. And Paul was continuing to encourage him in the ministry. Do not be swayed by all these false teachers and everyone else who says the word is old fashioned. Let's look at some new things to look at. The winds of doctrine that flows through these places. Let's just hang on to that because we can get church growth if we do those kinds of things. He understood that Timothy wasn't going to be deceived by the enemy. By the winds of doctrine that would go through the churches. He was grounded in scripture. That's why we see here in verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul continues. He says, I charge you therefore. Therefore what? Well, the scripture is solid. The scripture is the way to go. It will equip. We also saw in the fact that it was, it was, uh, uh, what's the word? I'm uh, losing it here. Where is it? Where is it? Hello. It's going to be I'm going to give you the verse, but it's not going to be coming here. I don't know why, but it, my eyes are not focused here. It's back. It'll come back to my memory. So let's just hold on that. We'll just come back. The wisdom of salvation. It is, gives you what is needed for life in Christ. We see here the fact that I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead as his appearing and his kingdom. This is very heavy if you look at that verse. It's very heavy because of the fact that he says he's charging. The biblical Greek here, the word, uh, the word that we find here, charge, means testified. It's a, it's, we see it also in Acts chapter 8, verse 25. It's the idea that Paul has seriously given and sincerely given a testimony to Timothy and to all that it is, it is the testimony that God sees all things here, Timothy. That we understand that we're going to be accountable to God himself. God the Father and the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, he says to him, we're going to be judged the living. He's going to judge the living. That means you and those who've already passed, who's already been dead. They're all of us are going to be judged by God and the dead and in his appearing and his in his kingdom here. This is a very serious note here. This is a very heavy moment here because he's telling Timothy, this is serious business that we're dealing with. Being in the ministry, Timothy, is not easy. You are going to be and I'm going to be held responsible for what I'm, we're teaching to the people, to God's people. So you can't add to the scripture. You can't delete from the scripture. You must simply teach the scripture to the people and feed them healthy food here, as we will see he continues to talk about, because it's going to be a serious moment because Paul describes what it's going to be like in regards to that, that court day. That court day, when we walk in there, Timothy, we're going to be faced with God the Father and the, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and our works will be judged if we did it with the right heart in serving the people. For one thing, they realized, or the realization came to, to play here, would encourage us to know that our works are carefully and are faithfully looked upon. We should be encouraged that because if you're serving the Lord and you're serving with a very faithful and the right heart, you should be encouraged that day you will be rewarded for what you've done for God. It would also deliver us from any of the fear of man 
Because the final judgment is to God. The man doesn't judge you. God is the one that gets to judge you. And he is fair. And he is just. And he is right. That's who we want to look at our lives and make decisions. of How we served him. Finally, the realization that God will one day judge our works and encourage us to keep going even when we face difficulties. That God is right there equipping and encouraging and says, continue to do what I've called you to do and I'm going to give you the power to do it. Are we serving our Lord or are we serving ourselves in the ministry? When will this happen? When will this judgment take place? And we see here at the very end of verse 1, at his appearing in his kingdom, his kingdom being his millennial kingdom. Paul still believed in the second coming of Jesus Christ. He had been in the ministry for more than 30 years at this point, and he was speaking and writing in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians about the rapture, about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he's still today, 30 years later, writing to Timothy and to the church and said, this is going to happen. After all of his experiences and after all the difficulties and all the highs and lows in the ministry, he's still looking for his Lord to come back and take him home. Paul was living in the hope of the immediate return of Christ in the establishment of God's millennial kingdom. And that should be our same hope and promise each and every day. Lord, I know you're coming back soon and very soon for us. You're going to take us home. You're going to be, we'll be with you forever for the eternity. And you're going to set up your millennial kingdom. It's only a matter of time. Is that your mindset? It should be. It's scriptural. It's, it's factual. It's right. It's good. Don't be um, falsely moved in the fact that the rapture would never come. You know how many churches think there's no, there's no rapture at all? It completely goes against the scripture. Some believe that the rapture won't happen until after the tribulation. That means you can just live however you want to. And after the tribulation, then you'll get your life right. Don't be, don't be deceived. There's nothing stopping our Lord from coming back and taking us home in, in, in the twinkling of an eye. That's why we live each day. Lord, perhaps today you're going to come back for us. What do you have for me to do? What do you want me to do for you and for your kingdom? Because I look up and I look for you to come for me and take me home. But this will happen. And with this in mind... We see in verse 2, Paul says very simple words to Timothy. Preach the word. Timothy, preach the word. That's what you're called to do. Don't get wrapped up in all these other things that people try to do to divert you away from your mission, from your purpose. Your purpose is to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Preach the word, Timothy. Don't get distracted. Don't lose commitment to the teaching of the scriptures that has so powerfully changed your life and changed my life, Paul says, and will change anyone's life. Paul's content of his charge to Timothy represents and emphasizes the key central theme, a thrust of the entire letter is right here. Preach the word. And don't get distracted from it. Every minister, every pastor must be understood that their task, their mission, their thrust of their life is to preach the word. And when I say preach the word, what he means by preaching the word is not just a gospel message, but yes, it's included, but the entire scripture that has been given to us. The word of God. Who am I to stand up here and tell you or tell anyone that certain parts of the Bible is good for you to know and other parts are not? That's completely foolish. To stand up here and say you don't need to know the Old Testament, just the New Testament, is foolishness for me to say that. 
You don't need to know these parts. Don't read the last book. And don't read Job and don't read these. You don't, you don't want to read those. Those are heavy books. Who am I to tell you not to read and study the all entirety of the scripture? That's foolishness of a pastor to stand up in front of you to tell you that. Or even suggest that. My brothers and sisters, we read the entire whole counsel of God. We do not add and we do not delete from the scripture. And when I stand up here, I'm going to preach the word. Now, did I tell you about a, something that happened at the Shell gas station? No, forget it. If you were here last week, that joke didn't work well last week either. So <laughs> That's why I don't tell jokes. <laughs> I think the punchline was better, the fact that pastor told a joke the first time in 10 years. This is amazing. <laughs> That's why I don't tell jokes. Timothy was to preach the word of God. Paul's constant message has been focused on the word of God, logos. Understand and apply logos, the word of God, to your life. That is what will change a person's life. There are some 30 references to the truths of God in this letter alone. There are 17 references to be careful of the false teaching that people try to come in. So in this one letter alone, constant messages are focused around the word of God and nothing else. So important the preaching of the word because the word is inspired and profitable for all aspects of the ministry, all aspects of one's person's life. And so when you take a look at that, you just look at the just 10 of 2 Timothy alone. Now let me give you the highlights. He says in a consistently Paul to Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, 2 Timothy 1.8. Hold fast to the pattern of sound words, 2 Timothy 1.13. The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men so that they're teaching the word of God. We see that in, in chapter 2, verse 2. Rightly dividing the word of truth, we see that in 2.15. A servant of the Lord must be able to teach, two, four, chapter 2, verse 24. We also see in the letter all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Do you know that? The scripture is God-breathed. It's by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. It's alive in, in, uh, today. So as you speak and re or, or even listen or to read the word, it will speak to your heart to where you need to be spoken to each and every day you open it. And if you've been walking with the Lord any time anytime at all, and you know you've gone through a certain book or a certain part of the passage, and it spoke to you, and then a year later, and two years later, and five years later, you're back into that part of the book again, and all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I didn't even see this the last time I was in this. Why? Because God is speaking to you in your presence of what you need to hear and equip for you to do today. And he uses the word, his living word, to do that. Preach the word. And as we see this as a pastor, it tells us what the pastor should be doing. What is your pastor doing? He should be preaching the word. Timothy was not required to merely know the word. He wasn't just to like the word. He wasn't supposed to be just approved of the word or agree with the word. He was required to preach the word. The word of God must be preached. It must be proclaimed. That's what preach means, is to proclaim the truth to others. And Timothy, when you do preach the word, make sure the content of what you're saying is the word of God. Don't stand up there and not teach the word of God. Not everyone who opens a Bible and starts talking is actually preaching the word. Do you know that? Many well-intentioned preachers are actually preaching themselves or some agenda instead of preaching the word. If the focus is on funny stories or the touching life experiences... He's probably just preaching himself. 
He may be focused on worldly vision or worldly wisdom or worldly stories or worldly experiences, but not truly teaching the word of God to his people. Timothy was to herald. That's what it means to preach. He was to be a herald. That's what how it happened in those days. You didn't have something like media, mass media, and gatherings. They would send out someone for the king, and they would stand, and he would be the herald, and he would stand in the middle of the of the of the town and the town square, and he would put out the proclamation from the king for all to hear. That's what the word here means. Timothy, you're a pastor, you're a minister, you're an elder. You're to sit there and you're to proclaim the truths of God. That's all you're to do, Timothy. You're not to change what the the king of kings tells you. You just tell what the king of kings says. When God says this, that's all you say. And make sure they understand it. And it's a pity that many churches have substituted in other things than preaching the word. They've actually substituted and preached out the word versus preaching the word to the people. I personally know, and I have seen being in the ministry as long as I have, what the preaching of the word can do in the life of a person. What preaching of the word will do to a church. And I stand affirmed that nothing can take the place of the word of God. The church must hear the preaching of the word. Your expectations when you come and gather here at this church, in any capacity or in any event, that you will hear the word of God taught. That you have confidence that you will hear from the word of God. You didn't come here to be entertained. No. Those are for, for babies. Those are for, those are for weak Christians. Those people look for entertainment. For those who are healthy, who are healthy children of God, who want to know more about their God and what they, God has for them, you look for the preaching of the word not to be entertained. Timothy should be diligent and very alert because Paul says here, Timothy, you're to preach the word in season or out of season. What does that mean? You're supposed to preach, Timothy, when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient. When it appears to be fruitful to do versus unfruitful to do, like No one showed up. Well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be teaching. He should be teaching four people or 40 people or 400 people or 4,000 people. I'm so thankful, and you'll hear me say it more times than not, the fact that we're so happy 10 years ago we started with just two families, Kathleen and Heather and Rich and Heather. That was it. It was just it. That was my assistant pastor at the time. This is what we're going to do. And I, so I taught four people that first Sunday. Then I lost half the congregation I taught to the next Sunday. And then they chose to come back. I went back to four. But I faithfully taught and preached the word of God to four people sitting in those chairs. And it didn't matter the numbers. Never matters the numbers. Why we don't do membership here. If you're a child of God, you're a member. And this is where God's called you. You're a member. And I'm going to teach and preach the word of God. Because I want you to know the word of God. And I know that the word of God is what transforms your mind and your life. And to be more Christ-like. There is no other way. There is no other way. So, Timothy, you be ready in season or out of season. This tells us when you're supposed to be preaching the word. The pastor should be ready to preach the word. He should always be ready, always. 
He should preach it when it is convenient and inconvenient. He should preach it when it is fruitful and unfruitful. He should be preaching it when he's excited or when it's very difficult to teach that part of the scripture because he teaches all the scripture. He doesn't avoid the hard subjects. Trust me, there's times up here, guys spending a whole week studying for that part of this, uh, the scripture I'm teaching you and having to just spend time with the Lord around that. And then turn around and stand up in front of you and teach that to you as uncomfortable as it can be. But it's the entire counsel of God. You must know it. We're not going to avoid, avoid any of it. Because if God didn't want you to have it, he wouldn't have put it in the Bible. He wouldn't have given it to us. And we should preach the word when the culture accepts it or when the culture, re- the culture rejects it. We do not stop teaching it because the culture doesn't like it. I assure you, the culture we live in doesn't like a lot of things in the scripture. Have you figured that one out yet? But if, if Timothy was a pastor that said, I'm not teaching it because government is not going to like it. What would have happened if he didn't keep teaching it? If the government didn't like it? Or if the citizens didn't like it because of all the, the false teaching and the false gods that they worship? Can you imagine if he didn't teach the scripture because the culture didn't like the word of God? Remember, you, you didn't like the word of God at one point in your life. And then your eyes were open. And now you devour the word of God. You can't get enough of the word of God. That's a true sign of someone who's been regenerated, born again. You cannot help but want to hear the word of God. And this is what Timothy was to focus on in life. In season or out of season. He was to stand by God's word and work for him whether the opportunity seemed ready or not to do it. It's easy to make excuses when you're, we ought to be making opportunities to preach the word. I don't know if this is going to be a good day to t- talk, teach the word of God. I'm not sure what people are going to... No, in season or out of season, you teach the word of God. You share the truth. Paul always found opportunity to teach, did he not? If you know, his script, if you know the scripture, you know that he was preaching the word of God in the temple courts when they didn't like it. He was teaching during stormy seas. He was still sharing and teaching and preaching the word of God. He also did it even when he's in prison. He was continuing to preach the word of God. It didn't matter the circumstances that was going on in his life. He continued to preach the word of God. In season or out of season. We must stop making excuses why we will not share and talk about the word of God. Now, I'll be gentle here. Dads, moms, in your home, talk about the word of God. Preach the word. I don't say you have to have a, do what I'm doing right now. I'm saying sit down and just share the word of God day and night with your children. They need to hear the truth because the world is telling them all these lies. Welcome the lies. Tell them. Tell me what you're hearing because I want you to sit down and see what God says and you make a determination. That is a lie because God's truth is always truth. And help them to understand those. You don't have to avoid those topics. Just use the word of God to help them balance and understand what God says. And that his authority will reign. It will always be there for them. The culture will change on them in a heartbeat. And while you're preaching the word, Timothy, he says, convince the people, rebuke the people, exhort the people with all longsuffering and teaching. Did you know that the word of God will convict you of sin? (laughs) If they're teaching the word of God, you're going to be convicted. It's not going to be comfortable sitting in the pews. I understand this. But that's why we come. It's because we want the word of God to examine our lives and see if there's any wicked way in us. Even the slightest, 
that we must change so that we're in line with and agreed with and pleasing to God. We see that in the scriptures very clearly. That those who were re- needing to change, we, we needed to, we're coming here, we're like, I know I need to change, I need to change, I know this is struggles, and I don't want them in my life. And you've had these conversations, these battles, and you're getting squirrely around them. Well, you're at the right place. Because the word of God is going to convict you. We see that in John 16, verse 8 and 9. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. God is going to use the word of God to convict your heart. But just don't run from that. Hear the conviction that the spirit of God through the word of God does to someone. And then you acknowledge it. God, I confess that you're speaking to me. And I know I need to change. But he doesn't leave you hanging there. Because we know even in chapter 2 verse 25 that he, cor- he corrects. He, he comes in and he says... Those who were thinking wrongly, let me show you how to correct that thinking so it's in line with what the scripture says, what my truth says. He doesn't just tell you that there's something not right in your life, but he shows you how to correct it. If you're willing to follow through and do it. We see that Timothy was to Those who were searching for the truth, he was to convince them, persuade them that the word of God is true. And that they can can base their life on this truth, the word of God. And maybe those who were sinning, he was to to rebuke them, to reprimand them. That's what the word of God does, the preaching of the word absolutely will reprimand you and me. The Spirit of God will correct you, will convict you. But we also know that we continue to preach the word because it will exhort or encourage you to continue following God. It will lift you up. It will strengthen you to continue to follow God. There's an old preacher saying, he should afflict the comfortable and the comfort the afflicted. That's what the word of God does. The word of God will afflict the comfortable. And comfort the afflicted. Don't avoid the preaching of the word. Remember, if there is conviction, but no remedy after being convicted, what that does is actually cause people to have additional weight of burdens placed on them. You know, you're sitting there and you're hearing, then you're being convicted and you're like, I'm going to be judged. I know I'm living a wicked life. In my head, in my life, and what I'm doing, what do I do? And there's no solution for you. There's no help. There's no hope. It becomes a huge burden on people. But the other side of the pendulum swing, if we encourage those who ought to be rebuked, ought to be convicted, ought to be corrected, and they say, you're just fine, God loves you, you can continue to live your life however you want to, what that preacher's doing is actually causing you to actually live in sin. And how many churches are out there doing it today? There's no preaching of the word about hell or the blood of Christ or the forgiveness of sins by repentance and and. None of that's being said because that's not people friendly. We want them to feel good and fluffy and, and just, just joy, 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 joys before they leave so that they'll come back. But what you're doing as a preacher, preaching the word like that and leaving out the, the scripture, you're causing more problems for the people. 
That's why Paul says to Timothy, you must preach the word. You must do all of it. You must convince, rebuke, exhort. And you do this with all long suffering. It means great patience, Timothy. Because you're not going to see the results as immediate in the people like you would hope to. You know these people are living in lives that are going contrary to the word of God, Timothy, but have long suffering. Be patient. Keep teach, preaching the word because I am going to do a work in their lives. Just keep doing it even when you don't see lives changing. Long suffering or great patience. And in teaching, when you're doing it, make sure you're teaching the doctrine the truths of God. Don't get up there and tell stories and tell all these little uh, illustrations and all these other life experiences and testimony. No, preach the word because that's what's going to transform a life. How important it is to give the careful instruction. God's speaker God's minister, God's pastor, must be patient as he is charged to preach the word. Because he's not going to see immediate results. I know that is true. Many times I, I see and I hear them. People keep coming week after week and, and you just keep hearing and seeing devastation, things happening in their lives. But the joy comes even with social media today. As much as that crazy makes it crazy, all of a sudden you see those kids are now living for the Lord. You see people who used to have devastations, or their marriage are healed, and now they're having a healthy marriage and moving forward. And you get to see the glimpses of it. And occasionally I will get letters and I'll see things come back through Facebook to me. Say, you know, oh, we just remember the days where you were just pouring into our lives through the Word of God. You may not always see the immediate results, but I know that the word of God does not return void. Above all else, we must preach the doctrine, the truths. True preaching of the word is the explanation and the application of Bible doctrine. That's what it means to preaching the, the word is the explanation and application of the word of God in front of the people. And if you're not doing that, then all that person is up there at that pulpit is just being a religious speech-making or religious babble. That's all it is. Preach the word. The man of God is feeding the people of God in the power of the Spirit of God, with the Word of God. That's the preaching the Word. Now Paul continues here. And he says, preach the Word, Timothy. Why? Because verse 3 tells why he has such urgency and why these would be the last words out of his mouth, the last writings he will do, Paul, on this earth right here, we will see. He says, for in verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Timothy, this is why you need to preach the word. Because there's going to be a time, Timothy, they're not going to listen to you. There's going to be a time in the culture, in the ears of people who are used to sit there in those pews and listen and take in and apply and do and change and follow God. They're going to change on you, Timothy. And what does he say here? They will endure, they will not endure sound doctrine. Stay focused on the word of God, Timothy, because what's going to happen is that men and women are going to start looking for them no longer stay on solid ground of the scripture that found in the, in the Bible. They're going to start looking for other things that are, are not 
the word of God. That's not God-breathed. They're going to look at what man's breathed, their philosophies of man or the things of this world. They're going to lean toward those things because they just don't want to hear the truth any longer. Timothy needed to stay focused on the word of God because man, by his selfish natural instinct, does not want God's revelation. They don't want the word of God. Why? Paul tells Timothy, the first reason is because they want it according to their own desires. Why will people stop listening to the preaching of the word, just purely the word of God? Verse by verse, the entire council. What will stop you? You allow your desires to overcome the truth of God and you will desire right there according to your own desires. They will have this cardinal desire, this worldly desire for religious novelties, for this this newness, things that are coming. I, I, I want to hear something different, something new, something exciting, you know. We call it the winds of doctrine that blow through the church. You'll get caught up in that if you're not careful. If you're not a mature Christian and solid in a solid biblical fellowship of place, that you will get caught up in your desires to want to hear something new. That's carnality. That's worldliness. That's fleshliness. And you've got to be very careful of that. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. The second one is here, he says, we will see they will rather hear what they want to hear. We call it, they want the scratching of their itching ears. The itching ears. They will heap up teachers that satisfy the cravings of things that, that, that they disagree with. You know, I'm reading the Word of God, and I just don't know if I like that. I don't think I agree with that. Why? Because it goes against your flesh. It goes against the worldly thinking that's creeped into your, in your minds. It goes against completely about the, your pride that you have. And so when you disagree with the word, when you're sitting literally just reading the word and you don't like it, guess what you do? You do one of two things. You stop reading it. You stop coming and hearing it. And you go find someone who will teach you something that goes against the word of God, but it will itch your ears and tickle your ears and make you feel good because they're in agreement with what you want to agree with. Be very careful, my brothers and sisters. You don't get deceived. Don't be swayed. Many professed Christians have no ear for the word of God today. They'll tell you they're Christians. They, they used to read the word of God. They used to, they used to want to desire to hear it and read it. And they wanted to, oh, they just, they knew God was speaking to them through the word of God. And then, I don't know if I like hearing the word of God anymore. It kind of stifles my ability to do what I want to do. I have liberty, man. And it gets in and your ears start getting tickled. And you find some other way of avoiding and hearing the word of God. I'd rather be entertained. I'd rather be a sermonette. I cannot believe the pastor teaches for 45 minutes to an hour. I like only 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes max. That's all I can handle. If that's you, keep showing up. You'll, you'll learn and you'll grow and you'll desire to hear the word of God. Not a little sermonette. Not just some entertainment moment. I come for the music and then I leave. 15 minutes, uh, you know. Don't be fooled on those things. Why? Because you'll have this endless curiosity and unquenchable desire for, for, for variety. Ah, I've been to the church for all this time. I've got to have variety. 
I, I get easily bored. He uh, tells, teaches the same thing. I want something new, some new series. And, you know, just be very careful of those desires that creep into your mind. Because your ears are being tickled. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for a certain language, certain personality of a person. And you will abandon good, solid, faithful preachers of the word of God. You'll look for those who are popular. And it leads to the third warning or teaching to Timothy here from Paul. He says, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will be looking for the most popular teachers. They will look for a variety of teachers. They will look for the teachers that teach what they support their lifestyle. They will find teachers that support their ability to justify why they're going against the word of God in their life. They'll find people, I guarantee you in today's world, can you imagine back then you didn't have the plethora of teachers? But there were always the teachers coming into the towns. Today, you just go out there and just do a search. You can find anybody or anything looking like anything, any style, any word, any language, anything to meet what you want to hear. And now it's so prevalent today that you'll be heaping up teachers. And you wonder why you're confused because you hear so many teachers and they're not using the word of God. They're just giving you the platitudes and these sermonettes and you're not getting the full counsel of God in context. And you wonder why you're confused and unsettled. But Paul warned Timothy, be very careful in the days to come, Timothy. There are going to be people heaping up many teachers. And we shouldn't assume we shouldn't assume a teacher is scratching, itching ears just because he's popular. I'm not saying that. But neither should we assume that he is faithful to teaching the word of God because he is popular. Or because they have a large congregation. Or they have a large following on their website. That doesn't mean they're a good, solid Bible teacher. So don't be fooled by that. Because many teachers out there today will avoid difficult subjects. They will not teach anything that's going to convict the people or cause the people to be accountable to God based on understanding the word of God. We see it in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 32. They want to hear what they want to hear versus hearing the truth of God. And many want to hear how God will serve them versus how they are to serve God. We grow and mature so that we learn to serve God, not how God's going to serve you. That's not the way it goes. And understand, if you're at a point where you're looking for your ears to be itched, Paul says it's just one step away from the next step. And we see number four here of what Paul warns them. They will turn their ears away from the truth. It starts with going, eh, I'm not sure I, I need to hear the word of God. Oh, I need to hear certain things. I'm looking for certain teachers who teach certain ways. And itching ears. You're one step away from now saying, I don't even need to follow the truth of God. That's what Paul is saying here. They're going to turn away from the truths of God. They will prefer not to hear the whole counsel of God. They only want to hear what they want to hear. They don't want to be convicted. They don't want to be told by the word of God, by the spirit of God, that there's anything wrong with them, that they're going to be loved and accepted as they are. And that you literally will tell me as a pastor, pastor, I don't agree with you. Well, the word of God says right this. I don't agree with that. You may not say that, but your actions and your attitude tell me that you don't agree with the word of God. It's not my word. You be a Berean. You go back with everything I say. Go test it in the word of God. You spend time with the word of God. These are not my words. They're the word of God. You have to settle that with God because I'm not judging you. God's going to judge you, not me. I have enough that he's going to judge me. Those who teach are already warned that you're going to be more harshly judged. <laughs> so trust me, 
You don't get up here unless you know you're going to be accountable to God. You're one step closer. If you've got itching ears, you're one step closer to actually walking away from the truth. Some people say, how could they be coming to church all their life and all of a sudden no longer desire the things of God and want to come to church anymore and hear the word of God? It's because if you know the scripture, you can see the path they were on. They didn't want to hear the word. They wanted just itching ears. They just wanted to hear certain things. They walked away from the truth. And then we see here in number five, we see Paul says they're one step to turning aside to fables, to myths. Once the people have left the word of God, once you stop listening to the teaching of God, you start substituting with myths and fables. You'll create your own little religion and fantasies that you are still religious, you're still Christian, you still love God by doing things that are completely against the word of God. What are fables? Fables is a general kind of a catchword for anything that is not the truth. You will believe a lie more than God's truth. And that's what we're seeing in our culture today. Played out is that people are accepting more and more Dabbling in the false teachings. What happens if I have a, a glass of water, a drink of some type, a glass of water sitting here, and I had a bottle that's black and skull bones and it says poison on it, and everyone looks at it and goes, oh, like the cartoons, that's poison. You know what the bottle looks like. You know it's poison. And I just dump just a dip, dap into the water. What do I have now? Answer, poison. You have poison water. If you take the word of God and you put in false lies into the teaching of the preaching of the word and you go against the word of God, you're adding or deleting from the word of God, what are you doing? You're po- as a pastor, you're poisoning your people with false teaching, even if it's just one little drop of some little concept that goes against the word of God. Would you drink it? Would you drink the poisoned water? No. In your right mind, you would not drink it. Then why in your right mind, if you know what the word of God says, why would you listen? Well, I just, I just don't listen to that part of his teaching. I only siphon through it. I chew on the bone, get the meat off, and spit out the bones. You got all these, these words we use to justify that you're literally taking a bites of stuff and you're being poisoned because you think you can just discount the, ba- the bad stuff that the person's teaching. And you know it is because you know the word. But you like the personality, you like the music, and you like the things, and you know, they have good coffee. Why would you continue to, to listen to false teaching? That's why Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, preach the word. Don't get, don't get wrapped up in these false teachings that are going around. It's not good for the people. It's not good for you. You're going to be judged. You and I are going to be judged, Timothy. When we get there, God the Father and God the Son is going to judge us in heaven. They're going to examine everything we have said and done to help the people or go against the people using something that's not of God. So make sure you teach the people right. Encourage the people. Yes, tell them the good things, the bad things, everything. They need to hear the whole counsel of God because their life depends upon it so that they know the word, they know the truth. So when the false teachers come in, the winds start blowing through their house in the form of some, uh, some search and some book that was encouraged to them. They're going to see it and go, that's not, that goes against the word of God. Get rid of it. Get it out of the house. Because you've taught them and they're healthy. 
Sound doctrine, the word, the Greek word is sound means healthy, healthy doctrine, true doctrine. If not, they're going to spiral down to itching ears, walking away from the truth, then turning aside into fables or myths that were just prominent there. In John 7, 27, the Jewish people at the time had a tradition that when the Messiah came, he would suddenly materialize. That's what they believed. Nobody would know where he was from. He would just suddenly materialize. That's what they believed because that's, they walked away from the truth of God. But everyone who was familiar with the scripture ought to know this is not true. Because in the Old Testament, Micah 5.2 clearly, plainly said the Savior would come out of Bethlehem. So why did they fall to the fable that this Messiah was just going to just all of a sudden materialize? Because they walked away from the truth of God and they've created their own fantasy. How many people today we see out of uh, Mark 7, verses 6 and 7, how many people have walked away from the word, the word of God and substituted lots of holidays and all kinds of these little ritual things in life today to substitute the true meaning of the scripture? They've moved on to fables and myths and lies. While the Christian still commands that they're somehow they're worshiping God in truth and spirit. Or in spirit and truth. No, they've walked away to the lies. They've thrown out the word of God and substituted it with other things. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 30-7, through 7, Paul is telling Timothy to command those who are teaching false doctrine to stop the fables and the endless genealogies. They were getting wrapped up into genealogies versus the truths of God. And we're edifying. They weren't looking to have a pure heart. They weren't looking for faith and deepening their faith in God. They weren't wanting to, to live a life that had a good conscience before God. They are okay not having a good conscience and living their life however they wanted to. And one of the things you realize, these fables, these myths, these made-up things that people call Christianity and and. It is never going, it's all man-made. If it's man-made, it will not bring conviction to a person of their sin and bring him to repentance so that they can get saved. That's why you just preach the word of God to people. Share the word of God to people. Let them know what the word of God says. That's what you and I are to do. And if it's not been done, if it's not being done at the pulpit, and what you have is a congregation of comfortable, professing Christians listening to comfortable religious talk that contains no to little biblical doctrine. That's never good for the church. And what happens is we know statistically even churches that are not teaching the word of God turns around and those individuals eventually fall, statistically proven, the majority of the cultists today, cultist religions, are filled with Christians who used to hear the word of God, but they stopped teaching the word of God. They became prey to the false teachers. Then they moved to the false religions, the cults. That's how dangerous it is, my brothers and sisters. Why you must stay in the word of God regardless of how you feel. Because you're at risk. You might be putting your children at risk if you're not letting them and making sure they're hearing the word of God. And in most of those cults, you can see statistically, when they do their surveys, they came from a Christian. If you watch the news, you'll hear it. And lastly, verse 5. But you be watchful. Timothy, you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So he's, Paul says here to Timothy, 
For you, don't get distracted, Timothy. Preach the word and watch the people. Watch them like a hawk, man. Keep an eye on them to make sure that they don't get deceived and that they're hearing the word of God and they understand the word of God. Watchful in all things, not just certain things, but all things in their lives. I'm having you shepherd over them. They're your flock. Make sure they're fed healthy. Make sure they're cared for. Make sure they're protected. Make sure they're warned so that the wolves don't get them, that that they don't stray away way off into some other place that they're going to get distracted and then not one leaves the 99 what does the shepherd do he goes and gets the one because he knows there's a great risk if he doesn't but you timothy strong word those others are are drifting off timothy they're spiraling down but you timothy you watch all things stay strong preach the word Be dedicated to preaching the word. Do not get discouraged preaching the word because people are starting to not listen. Don't get distracted and don't get discouraged. And not only are you watchful, but endure affliction. Paul was a perfect example of going through affliction and continuing to preach the word. It didn't distract him. The difficulties of life didn't stop him from continuing to hear and to listen and to teach and to preach the word of God. There are going to be afflictions, Timothy, you're going to have to bear. But Timothy, stay cool-headed, man. Face the difficulties. Continue to understand and trust in God is going to give you the strength and continue to give the wisdom to get through those difficult times in life. And he will. There'll be such blessings, Timothy, in the ministry. But with those blessings are because of many difficulties you will have to face. But don't give up. And do the work of the evangelist, Timothy. You can get so focused, Timothy, on preaching the word, but I need you to understand you're not just going to look to just teach. You're looking to teach, but you also have to do the work of of an evangelist. You need to work in making sure that you're leading people to Christ and people are getting saved because you're pointing them to Christ. Keep pointing to Christ through the word of God. Make sure they know that they need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to be saved. That their hearts need to be regenerated, be born again to have that assurity of eternal life because they put their faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. They must hear that. They must continue to hear that. So that the Spirit of God can touch their hearts and they can surrender their life to Christ. And fulfill your ministry. Don't give up, Timothy. When it gets hard, don't give up, Timothy, when you're not seeing people getting saved. Timothy, don't give up if they're no longer wanting to hear the preaching of the word. Timothy, don't give up if less people are coming or more people are coming. It shouldn't matter. Just continue to do what you're doing. Fulfill the ministry that I've called you to do. That is what a pastor is to do. They're not to sit there and say, I'm burned out or I'm given up and I don't know this is it. And just justify to walk away from what God said he was called them to do. But let me assure you, if that pastor's not doing what he's doing and he's going against the word of God, please walk away from the pulpit. Please stop teaching. Please walk away from the ministry if you're not willing to repent and change and come back to Christ. But for those who are, Paul saying, Timothy, don't give up. Continue to do what I've called you to do. Because there's things that will cause a pastor to walk away from the ministry and not fulfill their ministry. Why? Because fear has overgripped that pastor. Unbelief has crept into that pastor's mind. The cares of the world. I don't have everything else what everyone else has from this world. And they want more from this world. Or the fear of man. 
or the criticism and discouragement that can come to a pastor who sits there week after week teaching or people don't show after he spent his whole week pouring into getting ready to teach and no one shows. Or persistent sin. He's allowed a sin to creep back in his life and it's persistent and he doesn't deal with it properly. That will discourage and he will not fulfill his ministry. Or he has unforgiveness in his life. He's not willing to forgive and he has, he has anger toward a brother and not willing to deal with it properly. That will cause a pastor to walk away from and not fulfill the ministry. That's why I covet your prayers. And I ask you to pray for all the leaders who are teaching the word. I pray for you constantly, men, because you are to preach the word. You're supposed to teach the word. You're supposed to, mothers, you're supposed to be with your husbands and in unity teaching your children the word. And it's not easy. Because your children don't want to listen. Or because there's things in your life that causes you not to be willing to deal with those things in your life. And it causes you and hinders you from sharing the word of God in your family, household. Let me remind you, no small and no... There's no ministry that is small and unimportant in God's eyes. Whatever God has called you to do, be faithful in that ministry. Remember, the emphasis is on the scripture. Remember, it's not only the scripture, but healthy doctrine from the scripture must be taught. We must preach the word. We must see it. This world needs to hear the word of God. Our nation needs to hear the word of God. Our community needs to hear the word of God. Our state needs to hear the word of God. Our neighbors need to hear the word of God. Our family needs to hear the word of God. And our church family needs to hear the word of God, doesn't that?